0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on
1: today's show. Let it rain, baby. And there are some big shoes to fill in Flowery Branch, but Bud Dupree says that the D line has the guys to fill them. And last but
0: not least, and for the culture,
1: what the hell is Zion doing out here in these streets?
0: That's <laughs> all coming up next, right here. ATL Day Ones. Let's go.
1: This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now.
0: I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day 1s your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you. In advance, ATL Day 1s is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. The Braves get yet another one come from behind, win against the Mets. They clinched the series, and it's larger because of play of Michael Harris because we know how he's been struggling to the tune of, you know, he was batting 163 with two home runs and just eight RBIs up until this point. But last night he goes three for four, gets uh, three RBIs, gets the big two-run two, home, two, home, two run home run in the eighth inning to, 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 to for the final score to be seven to five t Like when you think about, you know, the the resilience that he showed and the confidence that the Brian Snicker and Alex Anthopoulos have had in Michael Harris to let him kind of just figure this thing out. What do you think that says about this organization and the confidence they had that he was going to get it right?
1: Yeah, and to think that the commentary that really bolstered his confidence from a teammate came from Marcel Ozuna, someone himself who've been struggling mightily prior to May. So I think that speaks to your point, not just – the confidence in him from the coaching staff, but also the confidence and the coaching, the veteran presence in the locker room to say, hey, you got this, man. You'll you'll bounce back. You'll be good. And I was concerned. I, I really thought about him from a, a health perspective because I right. definitely didn't think it was mental with him. I, I thought it was may- way more physical, maybe just his body, his back and everything, having to recover uh, just for a little bit longer. But yeah, he. what I loved as well is really, you could have called the eighth inning, the Michael Harris, the second inning, period. Because in addition yeah. to the two home, hum- Home run, two run home run. Right. He literally snatched runs out of the jaws of the Mets. And it's like, okay, Mets, y'all are going to met at the expense of, uh, of, or Michael Harris II saying, hey, I'm going to do this at your expense. Cause I mean, I know you want to met anyway. That's what you do. But for him, it could have been anything, Jarvis. If he had not made that play, could have been a one run, two run, three run situation, which would have then put the Braves in position where they had to score, right? right? They had to score just to stay in the game. So I think there was just so much that he showed about how he's a guy. We don't talk about his multiple tools a lot, but he's a guy that showed really all the tools in the toolkit last night. And yes, it was very, very refreshing and very encouraging to see.
0: You know doubt about it. And yeah, the an RBI double that for most um, naturally, unfast folks or, or normal running folks, it probably would have been a single. But for, he, for him, he was on his horses and turned that bad boy into a double and he was able to get a bunt for us a, a single as well. All of those things kind of matter just from a confidence standpoint. And then for all of the advice to come from Marcelo Zuna, I think that is something that you have to look at and say, you know what, this is the probably the beginning of what we've been waiting on to get my, um, Michael Harris rolling right along and then also t to come in to close the deal aj mentor he's a guy that has been struggling and in, in, uh, since mid-may and when you think about going back to mid-may when he was uh had an eight uh era over eight that's yeah. so we've known guys to begin uh designated for excitement for those type of numbers so but you know Brian snicker had the confidence to stick with him throw him in there gets the save and and get another clean in
1: And what that bullpen was able to do as a whole, Nick Anderson as well, you get to give your you get to give Rysel Iglesias a break. And those little pieces are also what keep you moving in the right direction in June. This is already going to be a relatively easy month as it relates to the records of the teams that the Braves are going to face for most of the month. But when you do little things like this, what we're doing is seeing them stack. Mm -hmm. MH2 is coming back. Ozuna is on top of his game again. We're seeing some things from Austin Riley. Now, AJ Minter, all these guys that we've been talking about who are struggling in the first couple of months are all of a sudden starting to get their stride at the right time. And then to be able to do it using the word you used, confidence, being able to do it against the teams that are coming up on the likes of who they should win, if not sweep some of these upcoming series. I like where they're headed as we begin to get closer and closer to the all-star break.
0: Yeah and also you know, speaking of all-star break we know one guy's name who's going to be on that all-star ballot and probably get voted in you know and don't have to worry about anything after that um is Ronald Acuña Jr. and I think he's one of those those guys too, that we a lot of times when you think about nephew, nephew Ronnie, he is a guy that we a lot of the times we kind of take for granted, you know, especially, you know, since he's been he's fully 100 percent healthy. He's out there. He's feeling good and he's not having any issues from his leg injuries, you know, and, and just no mental struggles or anything like that. So he's been out there doing his thing, playing ball and playing to a MVP caliber level.
1: Yeah, and what I like and what I'm seeing in him is smart play, too, because he's picking his spots and knowing, hey, this is an opportunity for me to steal, not just from the perspective of I'm just faster than everybody in the park, but also from the perspective of what sense does this make as it relates to where we are in this game overall. So starting to see that mental maturity as well is huge. And again, he was another one last night who had the whole toolkit on display, just utterly and completely amazing. But I agree with you. I was thinking the same thing, like, I hope everybody's not just getting accustomed to this, like it's not a big deal, because it's a deal. It's a big deal every time we see Ronald Acuna Jr. go out and do what he's continuing to do in that leadoff spot, but also what he's continuing to do uh, in right field. And when he has the opportunity to possibly get himself in position to score a run, he's just doing big things. And yeah, he's playing some MVP caliber ball to the point where I was like, Let's not forget about Ronald Acuna Jr. <laughs> because he's out there having like consistency is, is the name of the game for him.
0: Yes, it seems to be a reoccurring thing on the show when we talk about the Atlanta Braves and consistency. Uh yes, absolutely. Speaking of consistency and MVP caliber play, how about this? Uh the Denver Nuggets got still, got one um to steal back home court. 109 to 94T mm-hmm. in Miami. And Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first duo to each drop a triple double in an NBA Finals game. When you think about the all of the greats that have come through and play in these finals matchups, for the a guy for a duo like this to come in and, and drop that on and on the on the royalty to play like they did, like. I mean, I know you saying that, you know, you're not quite ready to say that this series is over with, but I, I feel like last night confirmed exactly what I thought was going to happen. I felt like after that, that game, uh, in game two in Denver, I felt like the Nuggets were going to come back and, and, and start reassert themselves in this series and, and steal back home court.
1: Yeah, I felt like there was a pride situation. I still felt like it was a toss up. And the reason I still say it's a series is because two minutes in to that game, if a three pointer had been made by Duncan Robinson, that would have been a seven point game. And there would have still been enough time for the Heat to come back and steal that game. So and I understand mental lapses, people take their foot off the gas. I get all that. But that still tells me that's why it's a series. But you cannot take away what Jamal Murray did. You know, he's been my X factor from day one, still my X factor, because as he goes, so goes this team. And then my other thing is with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray getting those triple doubles, it's the middle number for me. The rebound, that's how the, the, yeah, that's really how the Nuggets won. That's that line of 58 rebounds to 33, and those guys combining for like 33 of those 55, that's crazy. (laughs) That's really how they won that game. They had pride. They took pride in defense, and they said, we're taking this, not just this game, but we're taking – the fourth quarter because we want to send a message because we know that's where even when we won game one that's where we faltered so yeah yeah man yeah I love the dominance that Denver showed us last night and yeah he's going to have to definitely reset and make sure that they have that similar intensity and are able to do it not just on the boards drivers but they've got to get back to clutch shooting from the perimeter
0: yeah I like that's the only way they're going to win Um, Miami like they live and die by you know being able for those role players to be hitting those threes from the outside and if they're not hitting them it can be hit or miss as to how the game is going to go so yeah hopefully they can get that thing back going because all I'm looking for is a a good series go about six games or so six or seven games you know if it can go seven that's all good too you know because you know how the NBA they trying to stretch this bad boy out as much as they possibly can speaking of that how about this we are trying to figure out what Arne Ebikate is going to do. Um, he spoke to the media and we have some thoughts. We'll talk about that next. But first... I gotta let you know that this episode of ATL Day 1 is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. We just got through talking about it. The Nuggets, Heat, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, they went down. They got a triple-double for the first time. Did you bet on it? Did you win some money? Did you win some strange? Woo, what are you waiting on? Head to FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Because guess what? New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $20 five hundred dollars yes that's two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win guess what if you're a little apprehensive about it guess what the app is safe and secure super easy to use you don't worry about any information being stolen and guess what you don't have to wait to get your money as well because you get paid instantly as soon as that bet clears you can go get your money there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than america's number one sports book visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel is the official sports betting partner of the nba
1: It's year three for Arthur Smith, right? And we're looking for him to make a jump like he made from his first year, his rookie season as a head coach for the Falcons to his second year and now the third year. But there are some players whom we're looking to see if they're going to make a jump. And one guy that we've talked about here on ATL day ones is Arnold Katie. We really feel strongly that he could be very much a key cog in the wheel of this new look defense. So Travis, for you, I know Arnold Katie acknowledged it as well. He knows that he has to do better. There are right. some things that he's done in the off season to improve his technique. He's talking to guys like Calais Campbell to say, Hey, I want to just see bigger picture of what I'm supposed to be in this defense. And then I want to go out and execute it. So for you, Jarvis, what are you expecting? And not just numbers, Jarvis, but what are you expecting overall to see out of AK for him to actually be in your opinion, a solid, if not strong contributor to this Falcons defense?
0: Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, first of all, I had to look towards the preparation because we really won't know for a fact until they at least put the pads on this summer because that's when you start to see a little things like you see what the guys have implemented and see what that looks like against, um, you know, real live competition. So, but I think I like the preparation though. Here's why. Because he talked about, you know, how he's put on weight and nobody told him to, you know, and that's that's the that's type that's a thinking man's game because you understand – like the different levels of the defense. You know, I know that Ryan Nielsen is talking about this multiple stuff and Arthur Smith and talk about their multiple defense. But when you bring in a guy like Calais Campbell and you draft a guy in the third round by, by the name of Zach Harrison, look at how those guys are built. That's what they're moving towards. That's I mean, that's, that's, that's a safe assumption. So when you, when you see those things now, he understands like, okay, if I want to be in here on third and long, we talked about it on this show. Like if Lorenzo Carter's on that, on that, uh, on that, on that edge, and we we don't see four seven, that's a problem. So I think that you know he started off by you know putting on a little weight, and um, I got a chance to when I was out at practice, I saw him working with that 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 first team nickel defense, and that's like that's a very good sign. So I think just from a preparation standpoint, you know, knowing going into his. Um, second year and, and not having the whole rookie worries and everything, all those out of his system and, and knowing what to expect, knowing what to expect, preparing his body and getting his body right to, you know, to make a transition to a, a different type of defense. So he's going to be asked to do some different things than he, what he did um last year. So I, I feel like he, from a pre- preparation standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I feel like he is getting himself ready to make that sophomore g- jump. Now, however, I can't sit up here and say, that, you know, that's necessarily going to be the case because, like, we saw a couple of little bright spots last year, but I feel like we didn't see enough. Now, with him potentially playing more this year and, you know, and being in that first part of that that nickel uh, defense on that rotation, I really feel like he's going to have a lot, plenty of opportunity to prove that, hey, I was worth this doggone second-round pick.
1: I agree. I think he understands because I asked him similar questions about where was the preparation because I said, "Hey, you know, this is your sophomore year. We we know that you want to make that jump from where you were in your rookie season to now." And I, and I think I asked him like, "Do you feel like, you know, there's room to grow?" And he said, "Yeah, I feel like there's room to grow." And you know him. He's just gonna smile and kind of keep talking, of and keep moving. Yeah. No, we're gonna answer that question. Like, what right. did you do? So, yeah, mm-hmm. the exact things that you mentioned. That, that's how he answered my question. So he's been consistent in his understanding of what it's going to take for him to be an elite level pass rusher. Which I mean, that's what you need to be because, like, are able to move something immediately. And when I say move something, I mean a quarterback. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the the piece for me, I think, from a sophomore jump perspective, is tangible numbers right because he did decently when it comes to things like qb hits right Mm -hmm. not bad but it's the actual yeah when he was out there that's the challenge so Mm -hmm. i think like you said competing and making it known that you deserve and have earned more opportunities more snaps Mm -hmm. to me that that's something and then once you get those snaps you absolutely have to do something with them now speaking of doing something with what you have and and who the personnel you have in particular, Bud Dupree talked about that with the media just yesterday, right? So it was an interesting conversation that was had by Bud Dupree. And I say interesting because when you begin to compare, then in people's minds, they start comparing and saying, okay, what's your definition of similarity, right? So Bud Dupree was talking about the fact that he feels like the D-line as currently constructed from the Falcons, meaning their first string and all the backups that they've gone out and gotten in free agency, absolutely compared to whom he's seen in the past, the likes of, of Javon Hargrave, the likes of Cam Hayward, as he compared Grady Jarrett and Calais Campbell and even talked about the depth the falcons have and i said wow he actually feels like they're in that same ilk that same category but that also made me think to myself well okay we're looking at the current falcons do you as well feel like and again they haven't played a game but just based on what you see on paper and what we've seen in practices that these guys do remind you of some of these pro bowlers and some of these all pros that dupree is referencing whom he's played with before
0: oh When I started to think about, you know, some of the names that he mentioned, he said Jeffrey Simmons. You play, obviously, played with the uh, Tennessee Titans. I can see some similarities just from, you know, situations um, standpoint because, you know, um, Tennessee has kind of fluctuated between the 4-3 and the 3-4. Simmons has played defensive end. He's played D-tackle as well. Grady Jarrett had to move around up and down the defensive line last year in Dean system in two years there. And obviously he's naturally a three technique, so we know what he brings to the table when it comes to that. And in last year, you know, was able to get six sacks. You know what I'm saying? Moving up and down the defensive line. So, hey, it was it, it worked out for him. So, I, I think that versatility there, I can see some comparisons there. Not necessarily body comps, but just from a situational standpoint, I can see why he would say something like that. Then you bring in a guy like David Onyemata who is a guy who's a run stuffer and who can push the pocket as well. And then uh Kalas Campbell, not necessarily a, a sack sack guy, but, you know, being able to be stout against the run, I'm not surprised I wouldn't I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna be surprised, you know, if he's, you know, continues to be show that uh this year, you know, even in a rotational role. But when you look at Overall, though, like having bodies, because we've talked about heading heading to the season for the past two years, like they need just guys who can do get to the quarterback, right? So they brought in guys, veteran guys that can get to the quarterback, and and Jamie, um, Jamie and I had talked about, you know, just from a standpoint of there is some. When you look at the 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 the, the numbers, right, and, and you think about what we were talking about leading up to the draft as far as like they should go young, like Grady Jerry was like, he's he was actually pleasantly surprised, not pleasantly surprised, but very on board with how they handled bringing in those defensive guys. So when you bring in those defensive guys, you expect them to come in and produce because that's what they've done. That's what they put on tape in the NFL. Young guys, not so much. Like you kind of never know what that transition can be like. It may take some time. So I think that when Bud started looking around and seeing, seeing some of these veterans, and like I can kind of understand why he would make that comparison, but it's it, it's gonna be it's gonna remain to be seen if they actually put that on paper, right? And that's mean just from a number standpoint, those stats start coming out. And As the season goes along, we'll we'll see if it's a direct comparison.
1: Yeah, and I think from a veteran perspective, I could probably give him a little bit of a nod because, yeah, when you look down the numbers of Cam Hayward, Javon Hargrave, yeah, the numbers are actually pretty similar when you compare them up to, and uh, even uh, Jeff Simmons, when you start looking at Calais Campbell's numbers, career numbers, Grady right. Jarrett's career numbers, David Onyemata's career numbers. Now the rest of it, to be determined because yes, there's no way no because age. he kind of yeah he he kind of alluded to the secondary as well and I'm like okay AJ Terrell help me to see anybody else cuz i mean and again, I'm talking about the DBs as a whole, right?
0: Right, as a whole. I'm like,
1: there's Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously. He He's the example and, you know, kind of drawing a blank now. But I was thinking to myself, like, no, I don't really see a Joey Porter Jr. As far as like a rookie who can come in and just be that guy. Of course, he never saw Joey Porter Jr. But I'm just thinking from that perspective of like, okay, you're a young core. Right of what he saw, say with the Steelers, because that's who he referenced the most in his comments. But also right. who he may have seen uh, with uh, with the Titans. But I'm thinking maybe that's Kevin where... Beard
0: probably with, from a safety standpoint. You know Jesse Bates. Yeah. And he's he's made All Pro teams, so eh, yeah, I guess. But
1: but possibly. but that's not youth to me, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's not I'm youth. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So when he compared, that's where I think the distinction will be made in his comments because he also talked about the youth as a whole for the Falcons being similar to what he's seen with those other two teams. And I can't say that I feel like this core has shown us that quite yet. Will they show us? Hopefully, because that's what we just talked about when we talked about AK, right? So you hope that, and when Richie Grant is coming back healthy and you hope that you see what you saw in Michael Walker at the beginning of the season. So yeah, you could kind of go down the line of maybe how that comment could be Accurate at the end of the season, but I'm just going to put a TBD and an incomplete on it up until then. But what do you guys think when you look at the core uh, everydayers and you see what the Falcons are as it stands on paper and maybe what Bud Dupree has seen in his experience? Do you feel like there's comparability especially as it relates to your veteran core and or your youth core let us know put it in the comments and we will always comment back especially if you guys give us some good thoughts we appreciate you for that we appreciate you for continuing to rock with us definitely check us out on youtube let a friend know too because hey we got some great information in there for you guys about some other things that jarvis and i are doing as well so don't of course forget to it's another beautiful day in atlanta you should probably download this podcast wherever you download the rest of your podcast so you can check us out on your ride in through the A.
0: But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T like um, a couple of days ago, you know, I came across a nice little video of Zion Williamson out here doing his thing, you know, announcing that he's about to be a girl dad and all that good stuff, all getting warm and fuzzy inside. Right. You know, okay. I, I appreciate people, you know, men stepping into that fatherhood is a beautiful thing. However, that changed in 24 hours because uh, there is a adult film star by the name of Mariah Mills. I'm not saying that I know who she is. I may be familiar with her work, may or may not, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my on my life, but she came out and said, and just aired all the business, all the tea, out in the streets tea, talking about she might be pregnant, like she was, uh, Zion was doggone, she had receipts for Zion, trying to move her down to New Orleans. Like, what is Zion Williamson doing? Don't he need to be trying to play basketball at this point? <laughs>
1: What he needs to do is call Dwight Howard <laughs> because he can help him with all of the naivete that must be going on in his head. Because this is what this sounds like to me. We're about to be seven oh kids and five God. baby mamas in if Zion Williamson is not careful. And listen, oh I am from originally from New Orleans. Okay. And there are absolutely a lot of beautiful, educated women who are of a maybe a, a different ilk. Right there, Xavier, University of Louisiana, Mm -hmm. best HBCU ever. So why not just go like seven minutes down the street and get yourself a physician, (laughs) an attorney, a sportscaster? Somebody. Somebody other than the adult film star to bear your firstborn. (laughs) I just, you know, and I'm not judging. I'm not judging. However... That one is a shaky choice, especially because now she feels the need to go tell the world about all of your dalliances, And I just feel like maybe one of those nice, beautiful, wholesome girls at Xavier probably would not do that to you. And if you get yourself a physician, she might be able to help you with some of those entries that you can't quite kick. Just saying.
0: Yeah. Like, and then like his actual baby mom, you know. Like the, the Mariah, you know, pointed out to the fact that she's a low budget adult film star. So essentially she ain't getting paid like a real one, you know, and she was apparently she's a um a, a, a shoe model. So, you know, it's it's just a lot of oh uh, stuff. okay. Yes, so it's because, just a lot, it's a lot
1: into the story, T. Right, like, you know, it's, it's levels to this thing. You so. keep, right, because you just <laughs> added to the story from what I saw yesterday, because Randy Mack <laughs> asked me, like, why is social media going to you know our friend of the show randy mcmichael and right. i was like you know they should just leave zion alone just let him live well now i know why they're going in. oh he's i understand alone. completely <laughs> because it's a head scratcher because at that point it was only like oh she's older and then she tried to take advantage of him and that sort of thing i see no. the ad- yeah, I, yeah now look he has a course. tight <clears throat> i think i think that's pretty safe to say so yeah,
0: yeah
1: I, mm, well i'm just gonna <clears throat> leave it alone and say just call Dwight Howard. He can tell you how this goes downhill rapidly. When especially, you know, if you're just naive yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's like, that's yeah. that's the big part right there. There is yeah. some, there is some Yeah, he's very naive. And he is going down a path that I'm sure Dwight Howard will give him some advice. Like, hey man, probably want to hold what you got on uh like literally no and i don't have to explain what i mean by that all right t so we're gonna move on from zion because zion you know you got some work yeah. to do um how about this taco bell and plant-based crunch wrap
1: does that sound enticing to you t well you know i've only gone to taco hell once in my life <laughs> Taco Hell <laughs> once yes and it was one of those late night situations while I was in college. Okay. And literally, I like never, I didn't get out of my bed for 24 hours. It was that oh, bad. Gosh. So I've never eaten Taco Bell, Taco Bell mm. since then. But but, but but, my bigger question is, does the vegan go to Taco Bell? Like for quality food? Is that what we're trying to do? Like that? I don't know. That, yeah. Those two things just don't go together for me. Yeah, what, and,
0: and, I, and when you done. think about the other type of meat that a lot of people question whether it's meat or not, what know, the, right? that's in there too, because, you know, like the <laughs> the hyper vegans, like if it's in the same room as the, uh, uh, the, real, uh, the, real, the real meat, you know, yeah. like they're not even messing with it because, you know, that's you true. just never know. Like it can really, really mess them up. So I, 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 it's hard for me to kind of think that Taco Bell is going this route because they used to have yeah. a, a deal with Beyond Meat, you know, back in the day, but... But now they seem to come up with their own, you know, uh plant based protein. So it's just yeah, this is like it's just a weird for the culture for the day. It is so yes. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Yeah. This one was just maybe our it's, weirdest it's weird. to date.
1: Because yeah, what Zion's doing and Taco Bell's doing, none of it oh, makes sense. Man. You can't make it because it won't. Don't
0: can't make it make sense at all make it make sense well we appreciate you guys for uh making your day make make sense by making atl day Ones your first listen of the day really appreciate you for that now, remember we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and also all to our you every day as we really appreciate you as well if you are every day go ahead and drop it in the comment box let us know how you rocking with us monday through friday appreciate that from you in advance also before we get out of here we got to make sure If you don't do anything else in life, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, look down in the description. There is a link that you need to go to. If you listened to the show yesterday, if you missed it, go back and check it out. If you missed the show yesterday, there is a link to more information about what Tanitra Batiste is doing. She is doing some great work raising funds for LLS. That's the uh, lymphoma, Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. So, yes, make sure you guys check that out and spread a little financial love.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.